0: I want to invite us to turn to two portions of scripture. Uh, First of all, John chapter 10, and we'll look at verses 14 to 18. And then we will look at Romans 5, uh, verses 6 to 11. But first of all, John 10, and verses 14 to 18. The portion reads, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Another sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and 1 shepherd therefore doth my father love me because i laid down my life that i might take it again and then romans chapter 5 and verses 6 verses 11 rather to 14 6 to 11 rather Romans 5, 6-11 It is a passage that I've come to to love and appreciate so much And as I read it, I invite you to read with me As I read from the King James Version this morning Let us read For when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Amen. Dear friends, there is quite a bit of disturbance that comes when you come across people who have views of their own that seem to suggest that Christ indeed in his atoning death died for every single person in the world. And it would seem that very key text are uh, taken out of context uh, one in particular John 3.16 and they reconcile that because it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son it means that for some reason or the other there is a universal application of the atonement but one might observe by the two passages that we have read that when we think of the nature of Christ's atonement, it is clear that Christ, in his atoning death, did make atonement for his people. They identified in John chapter 10 as his sheep. They identified in the book of Romans by the Apostle Paul as many. But Paul does not refer to the entire mass of humanity. In fact what Paul has on his mind uh, or what he intends even in his writings is that God himself sent his son to die for his very elect whom he chose before the foundation of the world. They are rightfully referred to as sheep. They are rightly referred to as the many which Paul cites. And one of the things that we've come to see is that there is not any individual who has a right to challenge this basis to claim as it were there was something desirable in man worthy of securing such a position of being reconciled to God or having been atoned for. Of course, one of the challenges that we face today is the great debate on the topic for whom did Christ die there are either two streams of thought It's either that Christ died for each and every one in the world or Christ died for a particular people for persons who hold a view of universal atonement they seem to suggest that Christ in his atoning death died to make it possible that men may be reconciled to Christ For those who indeed hold to limited or particular atonement, we reconcile that Christ died for a people who were given to him by God the Father and for whom he did atone in making a complete covering for their sin and not just accomplishing that by similarly purporting a possibility but giving them the certainty of reconciliation with Christ. I think you know by now that if you are given a list and I'm going to use this illustration because we are Caribbean people and we have been sent out before to the grocery shop with a list and it is certain that items have been placed on that list and you're not asked to go and get the possible substitutes but the items on that list. In the economy of grace, God the Father gave to God the Son a people whom he saves unto himself. And they are saved by the power of God, not by any self-determination, not by any knowledge or innate qualities in them, but by his grace and his power and his spirit. In the day in which God is pleased, He calls men unto Himself and it does not warrant that they themselves take notice of God. But it is important to note that God Himself, from the foundation of the world, had them on His mind when He gave them to God the Son. For that reason, dear friends, when it comes to the atoning work of Christ in its nature... We need to understand that not one drop of Christ's blood shed will ever be in vain. Because his blood makes full atonement for the sin of his people. So, in the very nature of atonement, we realize that atonement brings reconciliation. Atonement accomplishes what we could not accomplish in our separation. Atonement brings peace. Dear friends, it is clear that in the reconciliation of two parties, there must be the interest of both parties to be at reconciliation. But isn't it amazing to see that as far as we record in the account of Paul in Romans 5, while we were still hostile sinners, God by his grace pursued us. And brought us into relationship with himself by restoring a union that had been broken by sin. Which sins we committed. And which sins we ourselves for a long time seem to have wallowed in. Except for the time of God's visitation. When his grace found us and brought us to the place of restoration of relationship in him. So then we can look and we can see and we can embrace. That whereas there was a point in time where sin had caused our alienation. And indeed it did. Because in Isaiah 59 and verse 2. Isaiah reports to us it is our sin that has caused the separation between God and ourselves. If you do not take Isaiah's account very seriously. Then even Paul in in Ephesians chapter 2. Makes mention of the fact that at one point in time we were alienated being without God and Christ in this world but here's the difference but God the same indication we find in Romans 5 there is at one point in our time that we were at hostility at enmity with God but God, except God intervenes and he himself by his grace pulls out the man that is wallowing in his sin, the woman that is wallowing in her sin, there is no sense of any semblance of restoration. We may think about it this way and speak about the possibilities of reconciliation, but we cannot give ourselves any assurance of reconciliation with God, except God is that except God takes initiative to do the work in us, Amen. friends. In the very nature of atonement, all of the arguments are removed, because at no time in our sin, unaware of who God was, we did not take steps towards God. There are people who try to embellish themselves and say we, we are bad, but we are not as bad as we seem There's some good in us we, we, we had a very good presentation yesterday that tells us At the core of all our affections our core of our very being We are depraved beings And the problem is that we, we, we do not like an honest appraisal Of what the true problem is The true problem is that Sin has mad us From the crown of our heads to the sole of our feet our mouths move swiftly to answer in our defense our feet move swiftly to shed blood our hands are always idle trying to find to do what we will with all our might except glorifying God who will be in our sin but when God meets us at the point of where we are vile corrupt crooked in our paths and alters our step all to His glory. It is a work of grace, thank God, that is permanent and therefore irreversible. I'm thankful for the atoning work of Christ because while we did not have God in our minds, while we did not have God in our thoughts, God in His eternal plan and purpose, had a purpose for our lives that he revealed in time and we became aware in the day of salvation that we were the ones whom God had not only chosen in himself and had given to his son but had given us a new lease on life through salvation dear friends it makes all the difference that God has done this work and not ourselves It makes all the difference that God in electing love has saved us and not we ourselves drawn to him. Because the scripture tells us it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but it's according to his mercy. And when you value the atoning work of Christ, and when you appreciate the work that God in mercy has done, Your daily activity would be to praise him. Because he has saved someone so undeserving as you and I. Dear friends, there's no boast in ourselves. There's nothing that we can cling to to shake in our in the face of God that says, Listen, I have done it because Jesus has done it all. Dear friend, the text goes on to say in Romans chapter 5. That God commendeth his love towards us. While we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He did not die to create a possibility. Of a way to the father. In fact he is the way. So he in his death connected us. Reconciled us to God. and, And he gave us a living hope. He gave us a confidence because the stench of death was already upon us. Some say how could the stench of death be upon us when we were yet still alive. Let me just tell you we were dead in trespasses and sin. Our condition was so serious and so severe that we had not realized that we were twice dead in ourselves. Until grace found us. Until grace found recovered us until grace for the first time placed us in our right mind now we can commune with god because we have been brought to a point of reconciliation and union through the death of christ dear friends we have something that is more dear to us in the sense that dear friends the atoning work of Christ does not have ethnic barriers. Come on now. If the work of atonement was localized just to the Jews, then we as as Gentiles are in trouble. But thank God that there is a sense in which the, the, the atoning work of Christ extends to many because it extends to all nations. To all peoples. But thank God that He has He's elect in every corner of the world, and there's a showcase of God's grace and God's mercy. Because even in areas, remote areas, areas where people are calling less civilized and less culture, grace is making the difference through God's eternal work. We're assembled here as a representation, a small representation, I might add, of the church. Antigans, Jamaicans. Those who are from Barbados. Beijans, Tortola. And even those who have migrated. Who may be originally Dominicans or St. Lucians. But we have one connection in Christ. Because it is the blood of Christ. That has brought us near in Christ. And has made us one. Even though we be a myriad of people. Friends, I'm thankful to God that this atoning work was not just localized for Jews only. But in its application, it is particular to the elect. One of the things that gets me excited is that we do not know, while we do not know rather, who the elect are, we do know that there's one means by which God in mercy calls out to his elect calls out to his sheep and it is the preach word Amen. dear friend never mind all the noise that has been made elsewhere the preaching of the word is the means by which God sheep hear his voice Amen. Hmm? And there's so many things that that, that we seem to overlook that when we see our neighbors, uh, the other churches along the sideways growing in numbers and the program seems to be up front in the public view, there is something that's missing. What's missing is... The word of God that abides forever The word of God that cuts asunder The word of God that pierces The word of God that breaks down but restores The word of God that builds up again that which was broken The word of God that heals that which was lost And recovers those who have been captive It is the power of the word of God But there is a second thing that I'd like to speak of Besides the nature of Christ's atonement I'd like to speak about the necessity of Christ's atonement. For what purpose did Christ die? We pause for a while for two reasons In the atoning work of Christ There is a putting away of sin I don't want you to think it's a covering up. If you're covering up something temporarily, you're sweeping it away, you're hiding it away. There is a expiation or putting away of sin. Christ is the believers propitiation. Christ is the believers covering. Through his atoning work, he not only satisfies the justice of God, but he abates the wrath of God revealed against sin. How does God view sin? The very same way he viewed it from the beginning. Because it's not just that he uh, detests the appearance of sin, he abhors sin. Dear friend, how much did Christ suffer on our behalf? Well consider him who the scripture describes as being pure harmless separate from sinners and consider him who suffered such great things in our stead that we might have in and through him not only a covering not only a propitiation but that we would be at peace with God the father and he faced God's fury on our behalf uh, this is why we could we could read in Second Corinthians five twenty one that God made him who knew no, who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And why is this important? Because in God's own view and economy, sin must be punished justice must be satisfied and there's two extremes in this world, it's either that you as an individual pay for your sin or your sins are paid by being punished in Christ glory to God. Thank you, Lord. but there's of a great importance of his atoning work because all those for whom Christ have not atoned for their sin are right now on remand, can you see them? have a court case pending where judgment is going to be brought upon them by reason of their sins that they have ungodly committed but thank God in Christ our sins are covered the penalty that that is affixed to our sin has been lifted upon us because it it has been laid in Christ justice has been satisfied therefore there is no double jeopardy with God it has been paid and thank God that above all things that he has done he has given us the assurance that not only have we been forgiven not only our sins covered but there's a blessedness in knowing that now we can approach God boldly through Christ I don't know if you notice that sometimes doors are not a good thing to have Yes, in a hurricane, those of you who have been through it, the door is a good thing to have. But when you're on the wrong side of the door, you're actually isolated from a space. And thank God that Christ, the door, Christ, the door of the sheep, has made a way to God the Father that cannot be in any way bad to those whom God has given to God the Son. Thank God that we have this access in Him by which we can approach Him boldly. And we can play, come with confidence and place ourselves before Him, knowing that we have an audience with God the Father through the finished work of Christ. Because of the finished work of Christ, no longer are we isolated from direct access or worship because Christ has made a way for us dear friends I endeavor to say that this doctrine limited atonement actually vexes the minds of those who think that there is somehow the potential in an individual to draw near to God on their own merits may I say to you that if you scan history religious conformity cannot gain you an access the, the recital of many creeds if you were and the participation in reciting many catechisms if you were, do not give you an audience with God what gives you an audience with God is if you have Christ as a mediator is if you have Christ who have acted on your behalf as high priest if you have been atoned for by Christ, these give you an audience with God. But without the finished work of Christ, we give no assurance to any individual that they have an audience with Christ. Until God, by his spirit, calls an individual unto himself. That individual is not in a darkness. Until man recognizes. That is by God's grace only that a man is saved and not apart from his grace. That man has no hope. When Paul says, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, here's the argument much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life. Friends, it makes me rejoice that although we were hostile against our God, that he had espoused us with such a love that when he found us in our pollution, in the time of his love, he did not pass by us and say, you suffer as you are. He said, live. When we read that, we see that he found us polluted in our filth. He did not leave us as we were, but he, he, he cleansed us. He purified us. To what end? For His glory. There are believers who boast about who they are in Christ, but we are trophies of God's grace. Therefore, we magnify His grace. We magnify the fact that by His saving mercy, we are what we are. And nothing can shrink away from that. One of the things I've come to embrace... Is that although the apostle says in Romans 5. That wherefore as by one man's offense. Verse 12. Sin entered the world. And death by sin and so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. He says until the law sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law but there is a a distinction that he makes when we read from verses 14 to 16 he says in verse 15 but not as the offense so also is the free gift I'm thankful for the free gift because the free gift is not like the offense the offense was one sin that caused our federal head to be placed out of Eden One sin. And some are in their mind trying to do the addition right now. If one sin can cause such severe punishment and separation. Think about the summary of our sin. But thank God the free gift is not like the offense. Because in that the free gift is covering many offenses. You don't even understand this. let let, let me just put it this way because of the grace of God poured out because of the mercy of God poured out we receive much more in Christ than we actually deserve we receive grace and pardon whereas we deserve the curse that we did we receive grace and pardon whereas we should have been penalized for our sin and if one sin equates one death you do the math We ought to have been expired a long time ago. But thank God that the free gift is not like the offense. Was God under any compulsion therefore to save any in humanity? Would he still be just God and Redeemer if he has sent all of humanity to a Christless eternity. In the first instance, dear friends, when wickedness was populated over the world, mm-hmm. he did wipe out the entire world except eight souls. Mm-hmm. And even there, he was just. Praise God. since that event, men have continued to wax more and more in their sin. And should he put in a visitation and decide to wipe out men once again, he would still be just. But according to his own eternal plan and counsel, according to his own grace and pleasure, he have purposed in himself to save a people unto himself, who he identifies in scripture as my people, my sheep. And don't bother all of the noise that you hear people making about how could God save some here and some over there. We tell them in the Tolian song, stop your noise. If God is pleased to save men here, there and over there, it is known only unto God whom to save. And we cannot find fault with God. We cannot charge God with being unfair. Because out of the whole lump of humanity... He has saved a people unto himself. He has done no different to a porter who goes out into the field. And selects a choice lump of clay out there. And he forms out of it different vessels. And no vessel has a right to say to the porter, Why have you made me such a, a good vessel? And I've made this one such a vessel. God alone gets the glory in his work of atonement. We have no rebuttal, we have no defense, we have no challenge to what God does. Because God does all things well. Dear friends, the notable distinction of Christ's atonement is that there had been a good long period of patterns of atonement in the Old Testament. At a certain point, the priests were now accepting the lame and the halt, accepting what people brought before them for atoning sacrifices. And it was now just a pattern. And Hebrews, the writer to the Hebrews tells us, at the end of all of this, at the end of the expiration of the priesthood, still there was not an accomplishment of atonement. But Christ, in the offering of himself, once and for all, made a full atonement, and if I might ask, a final atonement, never needing to be repeated anymore. And after he had made a work of atonement and had accomplished eternal redemption for his people, he did what Old Testament priests could not do. He sat down those priests and even the reminder of those sacrifices they became frustrated year upon year offering the same sacrifices that could not atone for the sins of the people one classic that I appreciate very much is the work of John Owen in his book The Death of the Death of Christ he says There are actually three strands of thoughts When you think about the atonement When you begin to survey the question For whom did Christ die He says it's either that Christ died For all the sins of all men Or he died for all the sins of some men Or some of the sins of all men And when you really weigh these statements. If he died for some of the sins of all men. You could not call that atonement. Because there is not a complete covering of sin. It is just some of the sins of all men. And if he died for all of the sins of all men. Then it means that each and every individual, therefore, not only is saved, but why would be why would there be a need to refer to that atoning work as a work of reconciliation if all men have been brought in line with restored restored relationship in Christ? But think about a second strand. Christ died indeed for all the sins of some men. And the some men that we're referring to are none other than his elect. Now friends, why is it important to mention this? We do not go about preaching the gospel, making general appeals and therefore saying, elect alone come. We, we, we have a responsibility in the general publication of the gospel to make an appeal to all men everywhere. Amen. But only God by His Spirit can truly call out His elect. And I'm thankful that it's not something that man does. I'm thankful it's not something the preacher does. I'm thankful that the church does not issue certificates of election as it were. I'm thankful that God, by His grace, does the calling. Oh, yeah. That God, by His grace, does the drawing. Oh, yeah. And the reality of Christ's atoning work is applied to them in time, in the day that they're saved. God. Friends, there's no boast in ourselves. Even we who preach this glorious doctrinal truth know that it makes us humble. It makes us desirous of reaching out to men wherever they are. It makes us let men know that what Christ has done for us has been accomplished to the extent that we are redeemed to God the Father by the precious blood of the Lamb and there is nothing Additional, no additive, no, 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 no addition that we can put to our lives that makes us more complete than His blood already makes us complete. Christ makes the foulest whole. If redemption and the work of atonement was only for those who were good, then a lot of us would be left out. If the atoning work was meant for those who were morally upright and had a sense of the law and an embrace of it, then most of us would have been left out. But thank God That even while we were hostile enemies While we were at odds with God God made known His love to us And the richness of His grace For this reason we are most glad to recite It's not by works Of righteousness that we have done But it's according to His mercy." And so we joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have received the atonement and through whom most gladly we have been restored to right relationship in Christ. God bless you.